Well, good morning everyone and wow, what an inspiring video that was and we're going to return to that in a few moments in this message. And this message is a little bit unusual, it's not so much of a sermon that I'm going to be speaking from the Bible, I guess it's more of a, a kind of family team talk really. I want us to, albeit virtually, to kind of lean in around the family dinner table. I just want to really just share with you a couple of things that are on my, on my heart and, uh, and then at the end of this message, and end of this message, we will stay in that virtual meal table setting and we'll share communion together. And I trust you've been able to just to get some things ready, bread and wine, whatever is your uh, or, or variation of. And there's two things I want to talk to you about this morning, uh, which is in simple terms, race and money. Uh, and in more specific terms, I want just to, to help us respond to the uh, the tragic murder of George Floyd and all of the implications and, and discussion around that and also to consider financial generosity when it comes to our upcoming giving day. Now, those two things might seem completely unrelated in, in almost every way and, and they are to an extent, but I also have sensed just in, in praying and preparing there is a, a sense of them coming together because although we're not speaking from our Philippian series this morning, one of the themes that has come through, I trust for you as strongly as for for, for John and I and David, as we've taught it, is, the, is this the call to unity that Paul so clearly gives in this letter, talking of striving side by side and being of one accord and of one mind. And it strikes me as I ponder and pray on what it is to be a unified church, that amongst many things, a unified church should be a church that is racially harmonious and financially generous. And it's those two things I want to talk about this morning, beginning with um, being racially harmonious and the subject of racial equality. Now, of course, when it comes to responding to something like this and as awful as something like this, there, there is a case to be made for not responding to it, at least in this setting. Um, there are many, many tragedies that take place, sadly, around the world all the time. And, and when, of course, we, we don't respond um, to many of them in this setting. We can't. And also when it comes to something like this, there's a real danger, isn't there, of, of kind of virtue signaling, of just wanting to be seen to be saying the right thing, or of sort of tokenism. And those things just, just come from pride, from insecurity. They don't do anyone any good, and they don't glorify God. However, in just pondering over this and speaking about this with some of you and with some of the leaders, we, we do feel that it's just important to spend a few minutes um, responding to what has happened and the, the reason for that really is that when it comes to the equal and just treatment of people regarding of their ethnicity or race, that, that really goes right to the heart of who God is and who people are and what the church is. And that, I think, means it's really important that we spend a few moments responding. You see, I think Christians should be especially grieved by what took place, what happened to, to George Floyd at the hands of a police officer, and indeed by every instance, both sides of the Atlantic and around the world, of racial persecution or marginalization or oppression in, in any way. You see, for us, this is more than what a constitution has said or a charter has set out or what government laws have made, good things though those are. This, goes, this is what our Creator has told us. God has said that every person, regardless of colour and ethnicity and race, is, is knitted together in their, in their mother's womb. We, we get that from Psalm 139. 
He's told us that every person, regardless of race, is, is, is kind of marked with his divine image. That's Genesis 1.26. And therefore, that tells us that every person is marked with intrinsic and divinely ordained value and equality and worth. It goes right to the heart of who God is. Black lives matter, ultimately because they matter to God. And therefore, they matter to us. Each life was formed by God, in the image of God, for the glory of God. And moreover, the church is literally founded upon racial integration and harmony. Let me read to you from Ephesians chapter 2, how Paul puts it from verse 11. He says, Therefore, remember that at one time you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands. In other words, he's writing to to foreigners, non-Jewish people, who haven't had the covenant sign of being part of the people of God, circumcision. And he says, remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who are once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments and ordinances by fulfilling the law. That he might create in himself one new man in place of the two so making peace, and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. And he came and preached peace to you who are far off, and peace to those who were near. It's just stunning scripture about the nature of what the church is. In other words, Paul is saying, our Saviour endured the hostility of the cross in order to end hostility between different people groups and then unite them together in himself to be at peace with each other horizontally and ultimately at peace with God vertically. It's a remarkable thing that Jesus has done in founding and giving us salvation and founding uh, the church. So, I put it to you, King Shirts, that it's because Issues of race and equality go right to the heart of who God is, of what people are, and of what the church is, that it behoves us to really carefully think how we respond to this awful tragedy and all of its ripple effects. Let me give you three simple ways to respond, and I'm sure you understand this. We could talk a lot more about this, but just in these few moments, I want to suggest that we can respond by grieving, praying and learning by grieving when when image bearers of god are are abused and mistreated like this and people who believe in the image of god grieve accordingly the writer of ecclesiastes says there's a time to mourn now we want to be careful and discerning and in how we mourn and calling out sin in all its different forms however i want to suggest to you that this specific time is a real i think moment in history it's a moment in our time and this time right now i don't think is the time to say oh but but what about the riots or but what about the fact that all lives matter i put it to you that this is a time to mourn specifically for black lives 
and to mourn for the family of George Floyd and to mourn for all families who've experienced those particular tragedies and all types of racial mistreatment. I want to take time. Have you taken time so far to ask God's Spirit to allow you to, to, to feel the compassion in order to grieve and to mourn with those who mourn? Secondly, we pray. Not to a, a distant God, but like Paul said in Ephesians 2, one who has drawn near and has drawn us near to himself. I was so moved by what the apologist and uh, theologian Vince Vitale, based in Oxford, said. He said uh, on Twitter, the God to turn to right now is the one who knows what it's like not to be able to breathe. That's the kind of God that we have to turn to in prayer. And he prayed, and we can pray. May the God who upheld justice when he hung on a cross, unable to breathe, have mercy on us and bring us justice and peace. So let's pray. Let's pray tonight. Come and gather tonight as we have a, a one-hour Zoom prayer meeting. We can pray into these things and, and call on God to do what only he can do, ultimately, is to go right to the root of racism, the kind of original sin, as it were, to, and to bring healing to our world. And he's ordained prayer as the means by which he does those things. So let's pray tonight. Thirdly, we learn. We learn. See, those of us who are white have almost certainly never experienced our colour being a barrier in any way to our progression in society. We might have experienced other barriers, but not, not, our, not the colour of our skin. So this is an opportunity to learn and to ask people what it's been like. I've been doing a bit of that this week, just speaking to some of you in the life of our church, just learning. And I've been both inspired and, and sobered by those of you who are of a, a different colour to, to my whiteness. I've been inspired by your courage and your grace. I've been inspired by the church that has been built at King's over 25, 26 years. That is a church, according to you, of racial harmony and peace. And that's inspiring. And I've also been, I've also been sobered. I've been sobered with what, the things you have experienced in your lives, your childhoods and adulthoods and those dear to you. And I've been sobered as well by being freshly reminded of uh, as much as we have racial harmony in our church, that our leadership team is, is not reflective of the people that we, that we lead. And, and also sobered by the fact that maybe as much as race is something to think about, also there are probably a whole load of maybe more like socioeconomic, potentially, assumptions or barriers that we have in the life of our church that we kind of unwittingly expect people to speak a certain way, think a certain way, and so on and so forth. So sobered by that, not driven to any kind of sense of huge guilt around that, but, but sobered by what we could still be, a good thing could become a great thing. Listen, if this is just a, a few minutes of me speaking to you, then, then maybe it is a bit tokenistic. But if all of us are committed to having ongoing conversations, to learning from each other, then I think this is a real moment in time for us as a church. If our leadership team, as we spoke about this week, are and we are committed to considering what it would mean to build a more diverse and genuinely reflective leadership team, then this is a real moment in time. 
And we can go from being a good thing, racially harmonious, to being a great thing. We can do what the church is designed to do, which is to, to paint a glorious picture of the future world when every tribe, nation, tongue, colour uh, and ethnicity comes together to bow the knee before Jesus. We can begin to be an even greater picture of a future reality that the world is crying out for. And in doing so, so draw people to the God that can make it happen, that can bring heaven to earth right now. Let me continue now in the same passage in Ephesians chapter 2, as you begin to think about unity, not just through racial harmony, but through financial generosity. Paul continues in verse 18, For through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. If you haven't caught the language of unity in there, then uh, you're missing the obvious. Can you hear what Paul is saying about being built together, joined together, built upon Jesus? It's the language of unity, which, as I say, takes me into the second implication I wanted to talk about of unity, which is unified financial generosity. Now, granted, it's only implicit in a passage like this, that you would implicitly assume that a, a church as united as this would be generous financially to each other at least, but it's certainly explicit in lots of other parts of the Bible. For example, in Acts chapter 2, we see that the very first church in Jerusalem is so devoted to the fellowship that verse 45 tells us they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. In Acts 4, it tells us they were selling their houses to any, so, that, so they could distribute the proceeds. We, we've just bought a house. I can't imagine what it would be like to genuinely just sell our house and give away all the proceeds. It could be, could be thrilling. But this is the kind of New Testament community that we're called to be part of. And speaking about our giving day on the 21st of June, that's why the first part, the first portion of the money you're led to give will go towards what we're calling a hardship fund for the life of King's Church. So that if any hit really hard times as the coronavirus pandemic kind of wreaks its long-term effects, we've got a full storehouse as Joseph built in Genesis. We've got a full storehouse to be able to look after one another. And I'm so pleased and proud to learn that's already been happening in the life of the church. It's just been inspiring to hear about. Thank you. Well done. So proud of you. And this really is to build on that, is to build a full storehouse to be able to replicate those kinds of things, to be able to care for each other as the early church did. But there's a second part of the, our gift day. You see, the early church didn't just look after its own. It realised it was part of a global at least the known world, a global bride of Christ. In fact, when that same early church in Jerusalem hit some really tough times themselves, another church in Antioch, and then again a whole bunch of other churches further afield, took offerings to bless that church in Jerusalem because they knew they weren't just standalone entities, they were part of a global entity, a global bride, the bride of Christ. And so that's why the second part of the money that you give will be given away to those internationally, to our brothers and sisters in Christ beyond these, uh, beyond these shores. 
Now where and to who and how, you might say. Well, listen, that's the privilege and the joy of being part of a family of churches. Yeah, the global bride of Christ, but within that there are lots and lots of families. Ours is called New Ground Within New Frontiers. As many of you will know, it's a joy to be part of a family of churches moving forward together with the same vision and values. And the core team of New Ground, people we recognise with like a small a, apostolic authority, have asked us to consider three particular international contexts that we partner with or New Frontiers generally does. One of which is, is Zimbabwe, as you heard last week. We've been able to already just to release £5,000 from our current storehouse to go and bless what's happening there. And listen, we're going to bring you more uh, detail in the coming couple of weeks about those projects, about those contexts and churches. But you can rest assured that we're talking about places where poverty was already wreaking terrible, terrible havoc. And the coronavirus pandemic has just made it even worse if that were possible. And you can be confident that through our new ground family, that money will go right into really, really secure church context to bless and feed and, and save and rescue and provide for people, brothers and sisters in Christ, who desperately need it. So, First portion to us as a church, second portion to the wider church beyond these shores. And the third portion will go to our, our, our neighbours, our community in the borough of Kingston. That's why Jason and Vicky just showed us that video. So inspiring, wasn't it? To see what's already been done. Great friends of ours like Dr. Dale Community Church with the food bank and Kingsgate with their project and others um, feeding, blessing uh, the people on our doorstep who've hit really, really hard times. And so the third part of your money is going to go to specifically things like Kingston Food Bank to really make sure that as need almost certainly grows, that we can bless that and fill that storehouse, literally, as it were, with, with grain and food to bless the people that we're called to bless, as the book of Jeremiah would say. This is the city that we're called to bless and to reach and to cause to prosper. Let me just get even a bit more specific, if I can, with you, because this is something that the wider eldership team and the trustee team have been talking and praying about the specifics of this. So we, we would feel God led us to a particular goal that in faith we want to put before you. And the headline goal is we believe God wants to, for us to aim in faith to raise £100,000 uh, as a kind of COVID-19 fund. That's the big number. How are we going to do that? Well, we're going to have two particular waves, at least initially, the first of which is coming up in the, on June the 21st. We're going to, already, we're going to put aside £25,000 at that first wave and £25,000 at that second wave from our surplus. You see, because of the financial generosity over the years, King Church has a surplus. It has some healthy storehouses. So we're going to use that straight away and put that in. So that's £25,000 done at the first one, £25,000 done at the second one. And that leaves you and I in God to bring his resources to match that and to bring another 25000 in wave one on June the 21st and another 25000 on wave two in the autumn. It's a big goal. We've got a big God who loves us to trust him with cheerful, radical, generous, sacrificial giving. He promises that when we sow bountifully, he will, we will reap bountifully. Let me get more specific so you know what's going to happen to God's resources when you give them into his storehouses. The first 25% of the money that you give, of that 100000 that's going to go into the church's hardship fund. The next 25% is going to go into the projects in Kingston, specifically the food bank. And the remaining 50% is going to go to our brothers and sisters in Christ internationally who are facing even more dire need. 
Like I say, we're gonna get more specific than that, but that gives you, I hope, some real clarity as to what we're going for. I hope you can feel faith rising as well as a little bit of trepidation. Wow, what could God do if I join in with this, with this uh, faith goal? What could he do in terms of blessing and multiplying? So I wanna also come along to the Vision and Community Night on the 18th of June. You might be fed up with Zoom. Don't worry about that. That's the way that we're going to gather. And you're going to hear a bit more about this in terms of the vision that we have for this giving. You're going to hear a bit more about other things as well, like what's our future in terms of meeting together? When do we see ourselves being able to meet in any sort of gatherings? How are we planning for that? Uh, Learning to play the long game together, just being steadfast, enduring, and waiting until the time is right to meet together. Let's gather together on the 18th of June for the Vision and Community Night, as well as tonight to pray. There's much more I could say on this, on Giving Day in particular. Go to the website. We're building that page to be really clear about what you can pray for, how you can act and volunteer, and of course, how you can give. There's more there to be found out. But just for now, let me just begin to close by just saying a final few things. First of all, I want to commend you, King's Church. I want to commend you for the unity that you've built uh, over the years. And I'm so grateful for it and proud of you for it. And I want to commend you uh, for the racial harmony that has characterized King's Church for for some 26 years now. It's been a a beautiful thing to observe, experience and reflect on this week. And I want to commend you for the financial generosity that means so many of you, month in, month out, tithe and bring your tithe to the storehouses. Over the years, that means we built up a surplus that we can release right now as of last week and again in the future. Thank you, well done for continuing financial generosity. And I also want to encourage, I also want to exhort you and challenge you to go. I want to exhort and challenge you to consider what it would mean to grieve and to pray and to learn as regards to going from a good thing of racial harmony to a great thing of something even more beautiful. Checking our own hearts really carefully and closely perhaps. That's what communion can partly help us do in a moment. Just check our hearts for a real purity of, of godly views on all of these things to do with racial justice and equality. And I also want to exhort you and challenge you to really prayerfully go for some generous, radical, cheerful giving, trusting God's promises that when you bring the full tithe into the storehouse, he releases his blessing, Malachi 3. That when you you, uh, sow bountifully, you can expect to reap bountifully, 2 Corinthians. So... Let's close now, as I said at the beginning, by remaining around the virtual family dinner table. I hope this has been helpful as well as challenging. And let's now just settle our hearts in uh, sharing the, the sacrament, the meal of communion together. If you haven't already got what you need, um, by all means bring the wine and the, and the bread or versions of to, to the setting that you're in. And let me just close by reminding you of the significance of communion, particularly with regards to what I'm talking about. You see, it's a meal that does, in some ways, symbolize unity, racial reconciliation, and generosity. Think about it, it's it's unifying. That's That's partly why Christians do it. We unify together in Christ around this meal. Secondly, it is a meal that speaks of the reconciliation between God and man and between every ethnicity of mankind. 
And thirdly, it's a meal that speaks of generosity, of the generosity of God who, who gave even his own son, of God the son who gave of himself and breathed his last on the cross that we might know life. It's a meal of unity, of reconciliation and of generosity. Let's take it, let's check our hearts, let's worship and let's ask God to build some, some big, big faith for all that's before us as we head into the future as a unified church. Bless you guys, miss you loads, um, but it's still a joy to be speaking to you in this context. See you very soon.